what's up bookworms it's your host stevie and erica um what i'm I, now i gotta get used to saying what's new in the book world yeah really not much um besides tiktok but <laughs> I, haven't even been on, I haven't been on tiktok all weekend so Look, book talk to... is taking a turn <laughs> I was on there earlier and I was like, uh, and people are like, this is happening. This is happening. I'm like, where did they see this video? I didn't see it. <laughs> Listen, I did not do anything other than read the series all weekend. Well, I take that back. I finished found on deception for cat and chatted with cat about that and her husband. <laughs> she, I love was... how Aaron is so invested in this series. See, I was so shocked. I was like, that's awesome. Um, he was just throwing in his questions in the background. And it was so funny. Well, have um, you heard the story about how, like the na- the baby name, right? You told me he, he, how he wanted it. He wanted it and he <laughs> had to fight for it because at first Kat was like, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. And so, I was like, I'm with team Aaron. <laughs> I literally like spent all day Saturday finishing that and then the rest of Saturday, Sunday, and today with the Archer Boys. Oh, those Archer Boys. Didn't touch my phone as much as I could. <laughs> right. <laughs> I uh, spent the weekend reading Only One Mistake by Natasha Madison, which is part of the Only You Hockey series. And I love it so I love much. Hockey romance. Oh my goodness. Her hockey romances are the best. I think it's partially because she's Canadian. <laughs> one of my favorite reads this year was Vi Keelan's um the summer proposal oh yeah Max is perfection it is such oh. a good book I've gotten a few people to read I did it ta- I what it. did I download today I downloaded oh I did finish say it's forever from A.L. Jackson and it's hands down one of my new favorite books everybody knows that I was obsessed with give me a reason when it released and now I'm obsessed with Judd's story. Like it is, oh my gosh, she, she's just amazing. I put, give me a reason on my Kindle. So, and then I also downloaded, I did download Oz, Megan Brandy's new book. I don't know if I'm going to read it. I'm not going to lie. I just can't, it's like too hyped up for me right now that I feel like going in, my expectations are just going to be all over the place for, you know, I'm seeing reviews for it left and right. And it's like, I feel like I can't, I can't read something that everyone else is reading. Well, also everybody keeps saying, it'll break your heart. You're going to cry. It's so emotional. I'm like, nah. Okay. I need an emotional read. Let me go read the first book people tell me to. That's what I, I told Kate. She needs to read here with me and choose me because I was like, it will literally like gut you and she was constantly asking me are you crying yet I was like I have tears in my eyes but I'm not shedding them (laughs) what did I tell you when I told you about the series I was like it will literally destroy you (laughs) oh when they are with the therapist those few first few chapters when they're with the therapist and it's just like the back and forth and like it's gutting but then, oh and then I was like, I didn't like Nate. And then I like Nate. Nate. And then I'm like, I'm torn on Nate. You go <sighs> back and forth between not liking Nate, loving Nate. You go back and forth with loving um, Riley, but Riley also is now emotionally damaged. Yeah. From everything. And Evan, I just through. loved Evan, period. Oh my God. He's, <laughs> oh. 
I love him. And you feel bad for him because obviously he he was away with the intentions that everything was okay. Yeah. And wasn't aware of what was happening at home. So, I mean, you learn to love the entire, like, I want to call it a cast because that's literally what it is. <laughs> In your mind when you're. <laughs> like, can we get a movie? Because this would be hands down one it of would. the best movies. It Actually, would. And it's. And it's not even like, yes, it's a love triangle, but I wouldn't consider it a cheating. No, not at all. I don't consider it cheating at all, especially because when he does come back, like she draws boundaries with both of them. Yep. Uh, She cuts it both off and she tries to better herself with the situation. Exactly. So I wouldn't consider it cheating, but it's definitely a twisted love triangle with like just a story that's going on in the background and like all the suspense that's like you're either you're either torn emotionally or you're just like driven by suspense but then I feel like it's not really a love triangle because you add Kara in and it's more like a square (laughs) that's true and then her and Riley are just like this it's like one of those (laughs) cork boards with like the yarn leading lines down to each each person I don't know. I, I think this would be a really good, I don't even know if it would be a good movie. I think it would be a good Netflix series. Yes. Because because there is so much going on. Right. You could continue it for a really long time. And there's so much story and so much background, because obviously if you start this, as the series as a TV show, the main parts that you're going to start with are, is their childhood. Yep. When Riley Evan and Nate first meet and then you move forward and you get their high school and college years and when they're shipping off to the military and all this other stuff and it's it becomes a longer story I almost feel like the childhood should be flashbacks though like because you could throw flashbacks in. that would be another good idea to do it as flashbacks because it but I feel like their childhood is very very pivotal to how they met and how their relationships were because Nate, obviously, it's very much, what's another book that this reminds me of? Of how you have brothers that are one, or no, best friends. What's the, what am I thinking? What book am I thinking of? Oh, A Beautiful, um, A Beautiful Lie by Tara Civic. I haven't read anything. These two, this is another military book and it has to do with the CIA and these two, the best friend saw the girl first, but really the other, the other guy was in love with her. And you have all this other, like, very similar, like, parallel lines with these stories, which is probably, I think that's how I actually found this book, hmm. to be honest. Even though I had already read Beaumont, the Beaumont series, like, years, I mean, I read the Beaumont series in 2012. Oh, wow. <laughs> like 10, like literally 12, 10 years ago. <laughs> that was, it was one of the first series I ever downloaded on my first Kindle. And Heidi has become one of my favorite authors. I literally will read everything that woman writes <laughs> or buy I it. <laughs> was still probably reading Nicholas Sparks then. <laughs> See, I think for my age, because at that time, Kindle's, it was right as Kindle was making, um, it's like, I mean, Kindle Unlimited wasn't even out at this point. No. Books were literally 
a do- like 99 cents on K on Kindle. And yeah, this was when you had to buy Amazon gift cards mm-hmm. for Kindle. To oh, I remember I had one that had like the keyboard on the bottom and everything. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I had a, um, I had a paperwhite. That was the first one I ever had. And I remember because I was a nanny at the time and I had bought it so I could pass the time while the kids were in school. <laughs> and that was when I was introduced to Abby Glines and Colleen Hoover and Jay Sterling and Heidi, uh, Heidi's books. And my goodness, there were so many good books that I read back then. And even some of them are still writing now, which is fun. See, I didn't actually, other than like, you know, Nicholas Sparks, which I is, you know, made for TV romance, whatever. Um, (laughs) I, I didn't read romance at all. I read like military related espionage, like your, your born identity series. Robert Ludlum was one of my favorite authors. That's what I read. And so (laughs) until like, I don't know, last January and I picked up Colleen Hoover. And then I was down a spiral. I was gonna say, and the <laughs> habit was born. <laughs> and then all the money went into books. Yes. I still have books like that I read back then. Like I remember um, before Kindle came out, I was working at a hair salon and we would literally be doing nothing most days besides sweeping up hair. Um. And I would go to the bookstore that we had in the mall at the time, and I would buy, I bought this series called The A-List by Zoe Dean, and it was a YA series, and I I still own every single one of those books. Oh, wow. Same with Private by Kate Bryan, and that was a private school series. I mean, that lasted one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, that's like 17 books long, and I still have every single one of those. And I won't get rid of them either because there's, they're like, I think they really, they got me hooked on reading again, like in this, uh, this indie, um, I don't even want to say indie because they were through publishing houses, but I think at that time it was obviously publishing, how trad publishing was a huge thing. But I remember buying them in the store and I remember just picking up the first book and being like, oh, this sounds good. And I would read every single one. Same with Twilight. I did read all the Twilights. I read Hunger Games and Divergent both probably like two or three times through. Yeah, I don't (laughs) even, I I think I'm almost embarrassed to say how many times I've read those books. (laughs) I'm almost embarrassed to say how many times I've actually read or watched Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> I I've seen the first two once. I've not read the books. I start so I started the first book when me and my husband first met. We were on a flight to Chicago, and I started it. And he peered over and was reading what I was reading and gave me crap. And so I just like stopped reading it. <laughs> that was ten years ago. The books are so, I, I hate to say it, the books are obviously better. And I feel like for most people, the books are better than the movies. And we'll, and we're going to get into this because obviously Heidi had Forever My Girl turned into a book or into a movie. And she's one of the few people who's lucky to see her book come to life. Yeah. But I feel like they can be interpreted, interpreter. Uh, I can't say that word today. 
they're up for your own interpretation. And they can either be better or they can be not what you expected. And not that Fifty Shades of Grey wasn't good because obviously I'm still obsessed with watching the movies. But I do think the books had more detail because (laughs) E.L. James was one of the first people to openly write in that community where it wasn't a shameful thing. Mm-hmm. and pe- more people were okay with talking about it and to this day people are okay with writing about it yeah and we're not afraid to show our covers I mean I love discreet covers as much as the next person but I'm also not shamed of my hot men covers either <laughs> yeah I yeah I ended up putting it down I own all three on my kindle I did then like I you know bought them back then and with the intent of reading them and then because it was out of my norm for me Mm -hmm. and they were popular and I was like okay what are these about but yeah then I was like okay never mind (laughs) I think I read uh the Hunger Games on my Kindle but then bought the paperback versions which I still have over there yeah I have them I recently got the Divergent Anniversary Edition paperbacks because the covers are so pretty um, mm-hmm. But all of those I read on Kindle, I'm pretty sure, because they're on my Kindle and they say red. <laughs> so I must Unless things are popping point. up red. <laughs> I mean, I legitimately had a Kindle when the very first one came out and it had like the keyboard on the bottom and everything. Um, and it was when I was in the military, like I needed something to do when I was on watch and to pass the time. So I would read, but like never... Did I ever think I would be a reader in this genre? <laughs> Me neither. To be honest, I thought it was a fun hobby at first, but n- nor did I ever think I'd be working in it. I just, like, I always was like, oh, that's, that's my mom's books. <laughs> like, I mean, can we talk about dream job for a minute? Because I could have never pictured I'd be doing what I'm doing now 10 years ago when I picked up the yeah. first book. Like, I, there's just no way. And now here I am, friends with people who I used to read 10 years ago, like Jay Sterling. Jen Sterling has been on the show multiple times. Absolutely adore her. But the first time I ever read The Perfect Game, I could have never pictured me actually being friends with her. Yeah. And it's weird. It's very weird. Some days it's weirder than others, but you know. Um, (laughs) hold on. Heidi is messaging me. She, hold on. Um, she asked like, if it's for recording or transcribing, cause she doesn't, she's like, I don't need to look all glam. Do I? (laughs) (laughs) I said, we're on video, but only voice will be aired. We are only, you guys already know this. If you're listening to us, you already know we do not, like. Hair's thrown up. Exactly. No makeup on. I'm pretty sure listeners have heard us say many times in the past, like, that we come as we are half the time we're in pajamas. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. We work from home. What do you want from us? (laughs) I literally roll out of bed. Yeah, exactly. To my desk true it's your desk an, is an right inch away <laughs> like it's an inch away I mean my, my I, I'm pretty close to mine too 
I can just roll out of mine too, but <laughs> I mean, I, I but no, I, I legitimately do. My alarm clock goes off at seven and I start work at seven. So I like roll over and sign in. I'm not right. a morning person either. <laughs> well, we will hop on over to chat with her in a minute. Who's yellow? Okay, well, let's welcome Heidi McLaughlin to the show. Um, I'm excited to have you here because I literally just binged your Archer Brothers <laughs> series this weekend. In three days. Um, in three days. I read all of it. So, and I appreciate that, you know, choose us a day early. Um, <laughs> because I just, I needed it all. Um, but first we're going to actually start off by asking you questions about forever. My girl. So, um, we're going to dive right into one of our favorite small town, second chance, chance books. That's forever. My girl, this is Liam and Josie's love story. And it is epic. What was your inspiration for writing this amazing book? Um, funny enough, it was a photo that I saw on Facebook. Um, this, uh, person I used to know I'm not gonna say no names because I don't know her no more um she posted this photo and it really just the photo kind of just had that whole like um John Cusack say anything very modern day not so much in the 80s you know kind of feel where you know this guy is just blasting his iTunes to you know whoever was going to listen to you know his his playlist and um, that when I saw that photo, I saved it and I was telling my best friend who lives in London, she's also my beta. Um, and I said to her, I said, Oh, I've got this idea for a story and all this. And she was, she says, you know, you really need to slow down because I had just finished another story and I was working on another story and they weren't going anywhere. And this is really, um, prior to the height of self-publishing. So it was still super new. And, um, she says to me, she goes, so if you have the story, she goes, what's it about? So I was like, oh, you know, this guy, he goes away and, and then comes back like 10 years later and finds out that his like girlfriend has a kid and all this and, and all that. She asks question after question after question. And, and um, she finally comes up with, so what brings them back? Like, what would bring somebody back after 10 years of no silence after just ignoring everybody? And I was like, oh, his best friend dies. So that was, that was how Forever My Girl started. It was a photo on Facebook and it was a conversation with my best friend. And that first night I wrote like the first 5,000 words and she asked for more. And I think, um, well, it took me 26 days to write that book. Wow. Yep. Damn. Which crazy. I would love <laughs> to write another book. That's so fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All sparked from a picture. Isn't that crazy how your from brain can just like see something? It's, it's like when people people that play that game when they're at restaurants that like see other people and they make up stories of what's going on in their lives or what they're doing. Yeah. And then I can do that. It drives my kids crazy. I'll be like, oh, <laughs> no, you're just, you know, stop judging people. <laughs> I'm, judging them. I'm just trying to make it work in my head of, you know, yeah. um, yeah, it was just that, you know, I really totally love John Cusack too. And so you know, when I see this guy holding up his laptop and, you know, I just picture his I, iTunes is playing to his, you know, his neighbor or whatever. I'm like, it's just like a modern day say anything. So I'm going to take that and I'm going to run with it and see what I can do. And look at that forever, my girl. So yeah, pretty, it was pretty, uh, uh, not, I'm not genius because it was just, it, just, it was a spark just worked. So, and it wasn't yeah. even, 
it wasn't even like, you know, it wasn't a planned thing, but yeah, it just, it happened. So sometimes Liam those Page, are the best books. Liam Page yep. was born and his girl, Josie, also known as Jojo. She, oh. yeah. And then my guy, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> that poor man. <laughs> or Nick. Our uh, readers were tortured with that. <laughs> And I just keep torturing everyone with Nick. Like, uh, he's not going away any, well, I mean, theoretically, he's not going away anytime soon, but yeah. Yep. So now for every author, there's that one moment in the book that stands out more than others. So for me, one of my favorite scenes in Forever My Girl is when Liam returns to the flower shop for the first time and sees Josie and he asks her about Noah. So what is the scene that stands out most for you? Um, I'm going to say the scene before that, when he sees Noah in the bathroom and Noah says, Hey, I know who you are. And, and, you know, he's pretty upset because, you know, he doesn't want little kids watching MTV, of course. And, <laughs> uh, you know, then he says that he's kissing his mom on DVDs and, you know, at that moment, um, when, when Liam sees his son for the very first time is, um, <clears throat> probably is, is is my favorite moment in the book. And it's also the favorite, my favorite moment in the movie. Um, I was there when they filmed that scene. Um, and Alex Rowe, who plays Liam had asked me, you know, do I know she's my kid or, you know, how am I supposed to feel when, when I see her? And, and I told him, I said, <clears throat> just like in the book and, and he had, he had a copy of the book he knew. And just like in the book, the first time you see her, you're going to know that she's yours. There's not a doubt in your mind. You know that she's yours because you just, you know, you have that, that feeling so deep inside that, you know, you know, Josie hasn't moved on. Like, and so that's, so for me, that's the scene, not only in the movie, but also in the story when, when they first come face to face with each other and, and Liam just knows that he's in trouble. <laughs> And speaking of getting to be there on set, you're one of the lucky authors who's got to bring your book to life in a movie adaptation. What was it like seeing that come to life? Oh my gosh. Um, so you're, yeah, everyone says, oh, it's so surreal. And it really was. It's so hard to explain um, the feelings. I was so nervous being there on set for like the first like two hours. I was shaking. Everything I was doing was just like, oh my God, oh my God. One, because these people that have put the money to my book to make it into this movie are like sitting next to me and they're like <laughs> looking at me and I'm like oh my gosh like am I not what they thought I was going to be like what's going on like all of this stuff and then there's they're coming up to me uh, and other people like they're coming up uh crew members are coming up and thanking me and they're you know wanting autographs and other you know the kid that the guy that young guy that's involved with the music he's coming up and playing the soundtrack for me <laughs> And then Alex comes up and he just starts talking. And then um, uh, uh, Tyler, who uh, plays um, her brother, his name was Nick until they changed it to Jake. It was a big mess up in the script. Um, he comes up and he's like, you know, we're just chatting like we're best friends. And then Bethany, the director, you know, we had talked online, but it was like we had known each other for years. Like it was just, it was so weird to be there and to watch on these little bitty screens everything that's going on around you so 
the entire movie is like taking place around you with all the set and the, the cameras and the lights and everything are moving, but you're watching on a little screen, no bigger than our laptops. And next to me is this girl who's literally going through the script and telling the cast where they, the actors, where they messed up, where they have to redo. And she's typing it all out so that it's all verbatim. Everything is kept track of. And I am just sitting there in awe going, had no idea how movies were made until that moment. No it's idea. So fun. It's I worked on a few TV shows before and it's just it's one of the best experiences. Yeah, they to just see it, see it all behind the scenes. They hand me these headphones and I'm like, what's this for? She's oh, so you can hear everybody talking. And I'm like, what? And then the whole <laughs> quiet on the set. Yeah. So the church we filmed, um, we were filming in the church that day, and so it was kind of on a busy road. And they're like quiet on the set. And when they mean quiet on the set, they're putting people in the road to stop cars. Mm -hmm. there's no car traffic (laughs) I was just like oh my gosh like this is so it's pretty it was intense it was intense and just nerve-wracking and I was so nervous and anxiety and I had a stomach ache and it was just like over everything that you can think of that you would feel it was it was there but in the end like probably you know hands down the best experience of my life that's so awesome. It really is. And then yeah. I was in the movie. So I got to be in the movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was uncomfortable and hot. Because, <laughs> you um, have to have your cameo though. Like it's just not, it uh, wouldn't be right if you don't get your cameo in your own. Yeah. August in Atlanta, Georgia, 106 <laughs> degrees, 100% humidity. I filmed in Atlanta before as well. I filmed in North Carolina and Atlanta when I worked on TV shows and in Atlanta I think I was there in like April May and it was blazing hot in the daytime but freezing cold at night and we were outdoors all day no and they, they, we were in this church with no air conditioner oh and I remember um the Jonathan Benjamin Hinkie who not only is my dad in the movie or Liam's dad in the movie but the dad from Pitch Perfect he's standing at the pulpit going can someone turn on the goddamn air conditioner <laughs> <laughs> and I was like hello <laughs> Hi. yeah so this northern girl was not ready for that august that august fall. <laughs> nope so but yeah it was fun i mean it was great it was probably you know it was just that surreal surreal moment like wow like people are there to take my story that and then bethany wrote the screenplay for it and and her story and and you know, these actors are going to act it out. And it was just crazy. When you were approached with it, did you think it was a joke? Like, was it just like that surreal of a moment? You're just like, is this really going to happen? Well, funny because, um, my beta, my best friend, she works for Warner or worked for Warner brothers studios in London. So when, um, I was approached three months after this book came out, that's how soon it was. Wow. Three months signed a contract three months later. So with all in within six months, like this is happening. And so when I got the email, <clears throat> um, I wrote back and I was like, because the email asked if the movie rights were still available. And I'm like, well, where would they have gone? <laughs> <laughs> so my um, agent, you know, entered into negotiations with them. And so we started negotiations in March and we were done, uh, signed a contract in May um, for, yeah. So it was, I've, 
and my agent was very forthcoming. She goes, don't expect your book to be made. Like they, they do this all the time. They option and they're, you know, they just, there's so many books out there and Hollywood likes remakes anyway. And they're like, you know, she was like, so don't expect it. And I was like, okay, fine, whatever. But Hey, they paid me. So I was like, cool, whatever. And then the next year they paid again to uh, continue their contract. And then uh, the third year they paid. And then um, in 2016, that's when they went to production. And that's when everything just started going like crazy. It was super fast. So they um, announced production in July, at the end of June, started casting in July, production and movie started in August. Wow, that is fast. Wow. Yep. And then it was going to come out that next October in 2017, I think it was. Um, but then they moved it to January of 2018. So yeah, that's how fast it went. So it was about a five-year total thing. So, and that's about the average is five years. They say movies take about five years from, from the time you sign a contract to the time it's finished. So that's crazy. Yeah, it is. So yep. So you did do the next generation of the Beaumont series kids, which I assume was very well asked by readers because you get to, you grow into these characters with Noah and Peyton. Um, so what made you want to explore the, the kids as adults? So I will start by saying when I wrote Forever My Girl, I didn't realize it was going to be a series until the moment that Harrison meets Caitlin on Christmas morning. Mm-hmm. And then my... Yvette, my best friend, she was like, so when do we get Harrison? She loves Harrison. Like, <laughs> she's, yeah, she's Harrison's girl. And I was like, well, I don't really know. Like, how do you do a series? <laughs> no idea. Um, so it was at that moment that, you know, that's when the books became a series. And then I had to kind of go back out and add a little bit more about um, JD and, you know, so he could have a book and, and so forth. Um, and then when I got to the fifth book, I was like, okay, I'm done. I want to move on. I want to do something different. But then everyone's like, well, what about the kids? What about the kids? What about the kids? And I'm like, well, they're like five, six years old. Like <laughs> there's no kids. And so after a while I talked to um, Yvette and, and we try to figure it out and stuff. And I, everything I do, I brainstorm with her and uh, we're like, all right. So obviously we knew from the get-go and uh, Peyton and Noah were going to be together. Like we knew that was going to happen. It wasn't, couldn't change that. And so we had to sit down and really focus on the top, uh, their ages. And, you know, so there is a considerable age gap between them. Um, and it, it's just that age gap that works out where if he's 18 and she's six years, five years younger, yeah, they can't be together. And if she's 17 and he's, he, you know, he's in college and they can't be together. <laughs> like, it was really that kind of complicated. How do we get them to the right age sort of thing where Noah wasn't so much older that it really didn't make sense anymore. So once we figured that out <clears throat> and we aged Quinn and the twins and, and, you know, started hashing out what their stories would be. And it's great. Like people love them just as much as they love the original series and some people start with the kids and then they go back to the original series and you know and then when I you know when I do something like the the Christmas book and bring them all together at the same time and they're all adults and they're all except for Jimmy Jimmy is not an adult he's always going to be a child <laughs> he's always gonna be, um you know then it was you know it, it makes it a little complicated 
dialogue wise. Um, but I try not to have everybody in the same room talking at the same time because that just gets messy, but yeah, the kids, so it wasn't really, you know, the whole serious thing to begin with, wasn't something I'd ever thought about until that moment with Harrison and Caitlin, and then, you know, expanded their story and then, you know, so forth. And then everyone asked for the twins or the kids is, so I was like, all right, well, we'll do it. Um, the age difference just kind of bothered, was a little bothersome because I, you know, I have girls and so I wouldn't really want them to be with you know, guys five or six years older than them when they're still teenagers and stuff. But yeah, so that's how those kids came about. When you mentioned struggling with the age difference between Peyton and Noah. So what made you, they, they went through a lot of shocking moments. What made you explore those life events for the, their book? Well, because everyone expects them to be the perfect couple, you know, falling in love at a young age and knowing, you know, from 10 to five, that they, you know, were soulmates or whatever they're not going to have the perfect life. Um, and I really kind of sounds a little more, but I really wanted to explore the car accident angle because of Mason kind of like life imitating art sort of thing. Um, so that's where I, that's, that's how, uh, Peyton ended up in her car accident. And it was mostly, um, to, uh, flush out more of, of Caitlin's emotional side as their mother and even Harrison, you know, losing, um, you know, the potential of losing Peyton and because him and Peyton had a really close bond. And I mean, they still do, but, and then with Liam too, because he wasn't there when this, all this happened with Mason and so forth. So that was why uh, she ended up in the accident. Um, and that's why, you know, Noah ended up in the situation that he's in because, you know, he was dating the supermodel and, you know, living the whole NFL life. And then, you know, his one true love is now fighting for a life. So of course he just upends everything. And doesn't really care about his career or anything at that point because you know Peyton is his priority, and it took that accident for him to um, admit that that's his pri- that she's his his priority. I was up until three a.m. reading that book when it when I first saw that yeah. you released it in tears <laughs> <laughs> with a box of tissues and with my bowl of ice cream, and I was just sobbing. Yeah. It's- I was- <laughs> That was hard. It's (laughs) yeah. It takes a lot for me to cry, but anytime it has to deal with Mason or you know, Peyton and you know, Mason and in that whole situation, it's hard. It it's, I cried all through the other, the forever Mason because it was, that was gut-wrenching. It was hard to write. Um, but putting Peyton in that accident and then, and then making, and then, and then writing the emotions for everybody else it's an emotional toll. <laughs> like, it's kind of my girl, my uh, Yvette, she loves angst. And so anything that I give her, that's just like super anxious. She's like, Oh my God, I love it. And I'm like, how, how can you love it? Like my <laughs> heart hurts. That hurt. Yeah. That, that constant pain just doesn't go away. And then to wake up and do it again the next day. And then the next day, and I'm like, I can't do this. <laughs> and that was my um, in, I don't know if you guys read finding my way, but Liam, literally the book is split in half. You have 18 year old Liam in, in, in Beaumont. And then you have 18 year old Liam in Hollywood. And when the day he got to Hollywood, it was like, Oh, I was feeling his stress. Like I said, a, I was like, I felt like when we got to Hollywood, everything just lifted. We can free fall because he doesn't have to worry about what people are thinking of him anymore. And he's having fun and he's just living his life it was a stress reliever getting that guy to freaking Los Angeles. So he could, you know, become a musician and stuff because when he's 18 year old, Liam is emo. Oh Lord, that boy's got issues, but they're also his dad's issues, but 
yeah, that's hard. So writing that stuff is not, it's not people pound us to like dark romance and angst. And I'm just like, how, how do you do this? <laughs> Too much chest pressure. It's like, oh, <laughs> can't, do it. can't do it. Um, speaking of forever Mason, because you just released that in December. And that is a side of story that a lot of people didn't have before because we get to see his him fall in love with Caitlin. Mm-hmm. And that is very, very pivotal. And then add in the friendship with Liam. <laughs> so what made you want to tell his side of that story? I didn't. Um, I didn't want <laughs> and, it, and it's not because I don't like him because I do love him. I do believe um, deep down he's probably my favorite character. Um, it's a, that was a hard book to write. How many ever book series, how many ever books I'm into this series. Um, and it was, it was, uh, so the book is fat. First of all, it's like, I don't know, 120,000 words or something like that. Um, and it was hard to pace. Um, it was hard to, um, make sure I had, the right content in there and that I wasn't repeating myself from previous books. I mean, there are some things that do repeat like the camping scene and obviously the funeral scene, although I did expand on the funeral scene because it's from Caitlin's point of view now. Um, but it all had to be new content. Um, so that people who were reading it, um, were, were getting something new, you know, they weren't buying a book they've already read. Um, and it also had to be, something that they could start the series with or finish the series with that didn't matter which way they read it. So setting it up was really hard as well. The beginning, which I think is the funeral scene, right? Um, and I, and I asked because I forget because I had it one way and then I changed it and then we changed it back and then I changed it again. Um, sometimes the funeral was at the end, but then I didn't feel like that was the right impact to go into the story. So then and then the car accident was in the beginning and then you got the whole story like a flashback kind of thing but I didn't like how that was set up either so we just I just kept moving things around but um I had always said I wouldn't wouldn't write the kids and I wouldn't write Mason because I um as a reader I kind of lose interest in really big long series Mm -hmm. you know except for you know um and if they're not moving along and moving along and moving along, it's hard to keep readers engaged. So, and of course, as an author, that's challenging, um, you know, fresh new content and, you know, all this without being so dramatic or unrealistic that it's, you know, no fun for the reader. Um, so, you know, did the kids and stuff. And then people just kept asking for Mason, like, do Mason story. Can we have this? Can we do this? Can we do this? Um, so in 2019, when I went to London to see Yvette, she took the laptop and she put a hundred bullet points on a sheet of paper and said, this is what we're going to do. So from that, I started asking questions like, what do you want to see? What do you want to see? What scenes do you want? What scenes do you want? What do you want to know about Mason? And we started putting together an, an outline and we finally got the outline detailed enough that we could start working on it. And then once we started, it was like flow, 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 flow. And thankful so thankful that it flowed because it's not um it's not an easy story to write so between her being my beta and then I had a fact checker who would read and reread and reread the timelines the ages the locations and match and match and we would go we were tearing apart books uh, making sure we were getting the right information because again you know I'm 15 books deep into the series and I'm going way back to the beginning way way back so 
it was hard and I'm thankful I did it. I do love it. The cover is gorgeous. So cute. So beautiful. And he's got a great story and he's a great character. And as I'm writing and I kept saying, damn, why did I kill him off? <laughs> but then if I don't kill him off, then it's okay. Then it's this what if game, right? So if I don't kill Mason off, what happens to Harrison? Does Harrison still get with Caitlin? Because they're really soulmates in my eyes. And, you know, and if that doesn't happen, then do the twin, does Noah and Peyton, do they get together? Um, and, and so I would just keep doing this. And I, and my friend was like, just stop. You should kill him off. He's dead. There's nothing to do about it. <laughs> Can't bring him back now. <laughs> We're not bringing him back. Well, we did a little bit in, in a Peyton story, but whatever. Um, yeah. And, but yeah, it was just like, God, why did I kill him off? He's such a great guy. But I think I could make him such a great guy because he's not there. And so I really could just do whatever I wanted with him. And he was, you know, going to be this fantastic, everyone's going to love him and say, geez, why'd you kill him off? Well, I killed him off so you could get Harrison, the drummer, because let's be honest, drummers bang harder. So <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. I want to move on to the Archer brothers. I bet you do. <laughs> <laughs> like I told you, I legitimately devour this in the over the weekend like saturday night through today <laughs> um it's gut-wrenching definitely <laughs> gut-wrenching those first i was telling stevie earlier those first few chapters where they're with the um oh gosh what's that person called therapist, therapist i'm yeah. just like it, it kills you um, I'm not a crier either. So I definitely had tears in my eyes. I was like, I felt the emotion. I, f- you feel it. You feel everything that they're going through, which I absolutely love. That makes a book just that much better. Um, but where did you, I know you've briefly told me, but I want to go over it here. Where did you come up with this crazy idea for their story? Because it is like this insane love triangle, but has just like this bigger background to it that just makes it this, so just makes it something different. So um, you'll have to thank Yvette for this one. Um, She came to me one day and she says, I want you to write a story about a set of twins. And I said, well, I'm only writing twins again, if they're boys and I can make them like Navy SEALs because let's be honest, Navy SEALs are fucking Yeah. So um, she's like, yes, yes, yes. And do that. And so she (laughs) sends me, she's mood board all the time. So she sends me her mood board and the twins, um, are uh oh what's his name that kid that he played in army wives last name's like daughtry or something like that no oh, i don't know doherty maybe Brent doherty yes yes that's like cutie right super tall guy yeah from hair. pretty little liars yeah okay show. i know who you're talking about okay anyway so she says this is him this is him so i'm like all right fine i said so what are these what are they doing like i you, i just can't write you you know i need something to go on and she's like well she goes one's dead but he comes back and I'm like, so he's not really dead. He's just like missing in action. She goes, no, like dead, dead. Like they had a funeral, dead, dead. She goes, dead as a doorknob. <laughs> She's, she likes the drama, let me tell you. So I'm like, all right, but why? Like, why is he dead? Like, you just, you just can't tell me he's dead. So she's, you know, she's like, okay, well, let's do this and this and this. And so I said, all right. So she sets it up, you know, pretty much whatever. So it took me nine months to write that book it's 60 like 5,000 words and it took me nine freaking months because it was very emotional um so I start with um there was a scene I saw I don't know where 
a lady comes home and her husband's sitting on the porch and like her eggs and milk spill over the floor. And so that's, that's what played off in my head when Riley first sees Evan. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we just, we, we go to the therapist and we start talking to the therapist yeah. and I figured that the therapist is the best way to start the story because the therapist is going to ask those hard questions that the reader is going to ask, what are we doing? Yeah. Here? And it Why gives you, it gives you so much background, yeah. um, without having to have like these flashbacks and stuff like that. Like it, it was just a great way to encompass like where their life has been and how they got to where they are without having to have two books of them prior. Yeah. And when you bring up the flashbacks and so in, in, um, the Beaumont series, we have flashbacks. And so going into the archers, I was like, I really, I want it to be different. You know, I I love the dual the dual narration. Of course, I love all that stuff. Um, but I wanted it to be different. So, you know, again, that's where we went with the therapist and Riley and Evan get to tell their story to the therapist and to each other. So they both know what's going on at the same time. And, and then you bring in the brother who did his brotherly duties. I hated him and loved him and hated him and loved him. (laughs) Like I had such mixed feelings about Nate. I know it was hard. I know a lot of people like, I can't believe Nate did that. And I'm like, you know, but it's not uncommon. You can, you can Google any story from Mm 9-11 where numerous firefighters left their wives for their, for their, their teammates, wives. And it's not an uncommon situation. Um, you know, so we just did it in a little reverse and I really didn't want it to be so much of a love triangle where they're both on page all the time fighting for our affection. That's why Nate was gone until the last chapter. And he comes home and was like, holy fuck, who are you? And what are you doing? Cause I buried my brother, you know? And then, um, I so- constantly was wondering when he was going to appear <laughs> like the whole time. I'm like, when is he going to show up? And I think it was like, there was a point where Livy shows up and I was like, I thought it was going to be Nate and it was Livy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Damn, I'm good. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> I took, I never saw that one coming, her showing up. And I was like, it's gonna, I thought it was going to be him for sure. And it, I just, and I was telling Stevie earlier, like it's, it is a triangle, but it's, it's not, you would never consider it cheating in any way. Like Riley right. was such level-headed and good about the way she handled the entire situation. And I, it, and it makes her just like stand out as the heroine in a book. Yeah. Like she, you know, she loves Nate hands down she loves Nate one you know they were friends in high school close friends in high school and then you know becomes her brother-in-law and then he's there when you know she goes through literally the worst moment of her life you know pregnant and has lost her fiance you know and things happen and it's not uncommon so you keep telling me it's not uncommon for things to happen that way it's it's very plausible and it's very realistic um but yeah so that was the, that's how uh, the archers came. I added the nice little knifey twists that are in there. Um, Yvette didn't know about them until she'd read them in the chapter. And then she's like, oh my God, what is Franny doing? Or she didn't actually know it was Franny um, until choose me when it comes out. Um, and so I just kept twisting it and twisting it and twisting it. And I'm assuming you read choose us today I did yes it was funny because we actually no joke we drove up to that supermax in Florence yesterday and I was like reading yeah because we went out to Cannon City which is right past there um took our kids to this dinosaur thing and it was so funny I got to this point I was like 
I was told I ran to tell my husband so guess what I'm reading right now legitimately where we were yesterday like we it, it was it's nine miles off the highway we had to drive out there and see it but yeah. <laughs> like, a day's research on that just to make sure they're getting visitors. I love how you mentioned the view that they get because that view is phenomenal out there oh, and it's yeah. like you're putting this amazing view at this supermax prison it's not even yeah. fair right well I mean their windows are like that big so whatever um but that oh my god I don't even know where I don't even know where he comes from I, I just I I don't know if it's from watching like Criminal Minds oh it was oh, chills my friend Trudy who who she's my my fact checker she I didn't let her read that chapter or chapter 10 um until the until I was done with it and usually she's a chapter by chapter for me and you know so that I'm not having to go back and backtrack on anything when you know working on these series and stuff and she goes I wanted to puke yeah no <laughs> I, Lawson makes he what he does he makes he, you sick to your stomach yeah, I don't know I don't know those people creep me out and so I don't know how I can I don't know where he's coming from like I said, it's either from all my years of watching like SVU all the time or, or criminal minds or whatever. But I just, when I, in my head, when he says the things, he, he's just very monotone about it. And he's just like, pity him. like, and he's rolling his <laughs> eyes and he's just gross. And he's, he's a, just a pervert. You put it, um, you did it. You did it well. Like I get that feeling. I get that the picturesque and just like oh, oh the heebie-jeebies gives me him. the creeps yeah um and he's just creepy and he's gross and yeah so and river wants to do a major crime to get inside the prison <laughs> which, like, you're not going very far with that one buddy yeah. but yeah so yep that's how uh yeah so so he really does get introduced in here with me and that's when all the twists and the turns start and they start to come out and uh yeah so I feel sad for those guys and I think I I know I told you that there is a marine out there in Minnesota that yeah went through this um he had to fight fight the courts and the government and the military to get his his life back so like, crazy and it does happen so you just don't hear about it happening well, because, yeah know, and then because we got um was it Rask, Justin Rask, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's, I mean, his parents refuse, refuse to admit that he's himself. Yeah. Um, and then, so he's getting a book next, correct? Yes. Yes. Is, and I will just say, and all the foreshadowing that you read is actually what the book is going to be about, except okay. for um, the monster. The monster made his appearance in yeah. the book. So he's there um and he is known by one of the characters so okay is rask's um lady friend gonna be who i would assume it would be yes yep. okay yeah. i'm very happy to know that then because <laughs> i'm like oh we, we want we want that to happen yeah. it was no, definitely it foreshadowed well yes um yeah not even gonna too much yeah no olivia or Livy is his is gonna be his his girl so yeah, not, not, that's not even going to be a C. I'm not even hiding that from anyone. So okay. ask, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I foreshadowed it. It's there. I foreshadowed who the monster is, but no one's actually going to pick up on that. So because- <laughs> you're going to make me want to go back through them all now. I feel like I maybe can figure it out, but 
yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna definitely be um browsing through pages again and then i'm gonna message you if i it's think funny. i know who it is my, my friend trudy her she'll listen to the audio out loud at her house and then her son so he's listened to it you know through listening with his mom and stuff and he will say oh send this to heidi this has to happen in the series send this to her this has to be this has to be the person so yeah it's pretty crazy but it's gross honestly it's really gross i, I mean i love how you did take it to like from their lives were kind of just taken from them and then there's this whole suspenseful mysterious element that's just been approaching these cars that they're constantly seeing that are watching them so yeah they have this love story but there's this bigger picture going on amongst all of it and and that really is true with teams like that that they face yeah it's not what they face yeah I mean they have bounties on their head yeah like you know other nations and terrorists want to kill them I mean they're not they're not always safe and and you know Nate and Evan Evan's paranoid Tucker he's paranoid like he's still you know Justin you know he whispered right to Nate I had a change why did he suddenly get to change teams and why you know why is Justin suddenly on Nate's team now like Mm -hmm. you know it's all you know there's a conspiracy there so and and I love my military. Well, there's some dirty <laughs> bastards in the military. So, yeah. So we're just having some fun with them because well, that's what you get to do when you when you create somebody like Lawson. It's like, what did I do? But, yeah. When you happened. when you started their story though, did you always plan for Riley and Evan to end up together? Or did you oh, maybe yeah. think that it would have been Nate at some point? No, they were um, no different than Liam and and Jos and Josie, Evan and, and Riley were going to be together. And um, Kara was the surprise. Um, she didn't come into play. She was that mystery person in the bar, and I didn't know what I was going to do with her um, until I typed it out that she was, you know, Nate's girlfriend, former girlfriend. So she was the surprise on on who Nate would end and up. And the with. reporter that was. Yeah, she was constantly appearing there. Yeah, in my neighborhood bar. That bar is real, just definitely not in Coronado. Um, it's <laughs> actually in, uh, used to be in Northeast Portland, and Slick Rick is actually my godfather. That is his nickname. Oh, he that's told a fun me. Thing to throw in. Yeah, he says I want to be in one of your books. I'm like, all right, <laughs> here you go. So I put him in his favorite bar, which is definitely called Magoo's, and he's the bartender, and he loves every moment of it. And he tells everybody he's famous because he's made it into a book as a bartender. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's so good. That's it. Yeah, he's pretty funny. But yeah, that was um what made you come back to the series though? Because it's been a while. So now you're you're bringing here with us and choose us. Um, it's been a while since the, the absence wasn't intended, believe me. Um, I've had these novellas mapped out for a couple of years. Um, but like some writer's block or got, you know, got a couple of contracts that I had to fulfill and um, kids, you know, doing activities and stuff. And so, yeah. So while it seems like it, it has been a while, it wasn't, um, that wasn't the intent at all. Um, they were supposed to come out years ago. I was going to do them years ago. I've actually had the cover for Justin's book done it's done and I've had it for a while. I'm going to go, but we don't get it till next year. Well, what, what I, what, what you tell me what story I'm not supposed to write this year. <laughs> you guys let me know. 
I, I need it now. <laughs> you let me know how I'm going to appease you. Um, I've had the cover since 2019. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I was going to do it. So I got it in April of 2019 or uh, pretty much May. And it was going to come out in 2019. But then um, one of the models that's on the cover, he kind of did some shady shit. So I was like, all right, well, get a new cover. And then I never got a new cover. And then I bought another photo for the cover with a different model in 2020. But then he did some shady shit. So I was like, forget it. So I'll just use my original cover. And with my original models, because it's done, the, the photo's done, the cover's done, and then put it on my um, my to achieve list. It's not to do, it's to achieve uh, for next year. So I will write the synopsis of everything that has to happen. And then I'll send it off to a friend and she will create my outline for me. And then when I have my outline, I just go and be done with it. And um, yeah, I want to write eight books this year. So it's just not, oh, wow. and I'm four months behind because of high school basketball and then decided to sell my house last week. That's I like it yeah. all on. Yeah. You know, some people just wake up and decide to, I don't know, take vacation. I woke up and decided I'm going to put my house on the market. <laughs> I mean, I think it's going to be, it's definitely going to be the most suspenseful yet. Yeah. And so the way it's set up. And, the, and it's my plan for, you know, I'm not talking next year, like December. It's like, it's one of my first books to come out at the beginning of next year. So it'll probably start writing, hopefully November, December, you know, it comes out January, February. Well, I'll probably try to skip February. So probably by March. Um, and yes, yeah, so you won't have to wait too long and I'll send you an arc just so you can. <laughs> you know, wait, can. wait that little less. Yeah, you're, 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 I'll even send you the unedited arc <laughs> because I rarely change content because yeah, you can, and you can have all the errors, the extra letters and missing words. And <laughs> I would love that. Then you can, God, this Look, is shit. <laughs> I can vouch for Erica because I'm a PA and she's one of my authors. Like I have four authors that she beta for. <laughs> she's one of their favorite betas. Hey, betas, you know what? I always tell new authors and they say, um, oh, what should I do? What should I do? And they're like, I said, you need a beta before you need an editor. Yep. Plain and simple. You need I a love beta it. Before you need an editor, because your editor is just going to edit your story. Your beta is going to hopefully, unless it's a friend, I don't ever, I never encourage people to work with friends. Um, they're going to, you know, tell you if your story works. So, and that's Yvette. Uh, I mean, obviously she's my friend, but she's been my beta from the beginning. She's, she worked in Hollywood. So she's cutthroat and it was perfect. And she literally come back to her like, this is shit. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I, I love it. I love the experience of it. I love being able, I, I work with seven different authors now for beta reading and I prefer it over anything. Just, I feel like there's a better connection to it. Um, and, and yeah, you get it you get to give them that raw real feedback but also like encourage them in er other areas as well too. it's more of a personal touch in my opinion yeah um you find a beta you trust and a beta that's going to work for you and not just sugarcoat and be like oh it's such a great story no yeah. i want to see red lines i want to see what's working what's not working <clears throat> if you found something that's repetitive or something i've said or contradicted myself that's the stuff i want to know i one girl wanted a beta for me and so i gave her my story and she was oh it's so great like no you just wanted to read a story really <laughs> 
your job as a beta is to tell me it's what's working, you know? And uh, so I, you know, and my friend, <clears throat> my editor, she'll get stories and she'll just be like, oh man, like if they would have just like reread their story or, you know, I'm like, tell them to get a beta, get a beta and then come back because you're going to save yourself so much time, so much heartache and headache with edits that once you've had somebody else like look it over first before you send it off to an editor because and some people do the whole beta thing after editing like I wouldn't ever want to make changes like that ever um because I you know I use my beta she changes my content she'll flat out say um this doesn't work he can't have his hand and his head and his knee in the same spot (laughs) and I'm like oh yeah you're right I probably should have tried that out in the mirror or something or um, <laughs> you know, like when you stand up against the wall how are you really standing against the yeah, wall I've, yeah yeah I've read those scenes where I'm like this just physically does not make sense <laughs> like, right kind of like that tiktok look up bite your lip look at like you know that thing um you know you have to have somebody who's going to oh I always act most of them out especially if like I'm standing somewhere I'm like okay let me see if I can really do what I think is going on in my head um but yeah my bait you know she's good at that stuff she'll just be like yeah this doesn't work or he sounds really whiny here or you know it's it's getting that perspective before going to editing which is, i think is solid good for you for baiting yay <laughs> so yeah. what's next for you in 2022 well i'm gonna move next week i think <laughs> <laughs> top of the list pack my house well it's so funny my next 2022 right so again um yes I did really decide two weeks ago to put my house on the market no joke and in that time period so I met with real estate agents a week ago was cleaning my house out decluttering taking car loads of stuff to the trash and to the dump uh, the goodwill and and then last week and last Wednesday my house went on the market and so today like I said we signed papers or whatever um April. So our closing date is 516. Once you guys 516, right? The first weekend of April, I'm in New York City with my daughter for a birthday present that happened in uh 2020 when she turned 18 during the pandemic. The next weekend after that, I have a book signing in Boston. Next week after that is Easter. The next weekend after that, we're back in New York City because we are going to a play that was canceled from the pandemic. <laughs> The weekend after that, which is last weekend of April, first weekend of May, we're in Las Vegas because she got tickets to CrimeCon. I'm so jealous. <laughs> and I have to pack, right? Um, I have a, a store that I ha- then have to like sell all the stuff off in the store um, and pack the store, um, find a place to live, rent, storage unit, U-Haul, get a new lease, pack my house, take care of my dogs, like... So what's next? Um, good question. <laughs> I am, I just finished a, oh, so I have the Nightingale anthology that's coming out. So I wrote a short story for the Beaumont series from the epilogue for the Christmas story that I wrote for the Nightingale um, anthology for the Ukraine that's coming out April 5th. Um, but personally, I just finished a reader magnet for a project that I'm going to launch, which is something kind of super secret at the moment. So when that comes out, then I'll tell everybody what I'm doing. Um, but L and Ben from the next generation series are up for a story. It's going to be a little emotional. 
We got some trials and tribulations coming up for them. And then uh, Noah and Peyton will have another story this year. And I think Quinn will end up with um, a novella as of right now. Um, and then at the end of the year, I'll start working on that book for your, your partner over there so that she's not like harassing <laughs> me or anything like that. <laughs> um, so yeah, and I want to do some like, um, novellas, you know, like, uh, serial type novellas, stuff like that, but that's my, yeah. So, um, on Wednesday I will be outlining, um, the Ellen Ben story. So yes. And everyone wants to know what's wrong with Ben and you're going to find out what's wrong with Ben. So because Ben's I'm excited. Absent, right? What is wrong with Ben? I don't know. I mean, I do know, but I can't tell you. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to writing in general, are you a plotter or do you plan, like, do you plan things out or are you just know you're going to do something and then wing it? So prior to writing my first traditionally published novel, I was a pantser. Like I could just sit down and I'd write little notes of what I need to do, like on a little sticky note. And then I would just write it. Right. Um, but my publisher for my baseball series was like, oh, we want to see your outline. We want to see what's, and I was like, we want to see a what? A who's he? What's it? Um, yeah. So then I started outlining and I found that outlining is amazing if you have the time, because then you sit down and it's kind of like, it's your boss. Right. So, you know, I do this full time. And so I kind of sit down and every day I look at my outline. I'm like, Oh, okay. So chapter one is this, this, this chapter two is this, you know, five bullet points for each chapter and the chapters end up anywhere between two and 3000 words. So having that every day, you're not going, okay, well, what am I going to write today? Or, well, my characters went here when they were really supposed to go here. So how do I get them back in the middle type thing? So now it's outline. And, um, I do write a synopsis of my story. So that's usually like three to five pages. And then I send it to a friend to outline for me. And she gives me a 20 to 30 chapter outline with five bullet points. Damn. And then, <laughs> yep. and then, you know, it, then I, you know, have my list of my stories that I'm going to do. And, um, on the outline, it'll take me about, um, if I'm doing, eight hours a day, it takes me about three weeks to write the outline story. So and then that's it. So used to pants. Now I outline, love it. I need to know what's going on so that I can change it if I need to, or, um, you know, get, if it's not working or, you know, figure out where it is. So yeah, no more sticky notes for me. So <laughs> outline. Now. Yeah, it was, def it was uh, definitely a, it was a, uh, was a, I don't want to say game changer because it was something I had to learn. Um, but it was definitely makes my day much easier to, I treat it as my boss. My boss is telling me what has to get done and here's my deadline. Yeah. Cause essentially with the outline, you literally have to pretty much have all the major points of story built yeah. in your head already. Yeah. Yeah. So, which is where the synopsis comes in because you're, I'm really writing a, a big fat summary of this story, like a book report more or less. And the only thing that takes, the only thing the outline doesn't do for me is it doesn't give me like, um, if it's a new story, like names and locations and stuff like that. But for like a Beaumont story, I mean, obviously, you know, those stories, the series and stuff that I have, we know all that, we know all that information. And so we just get up and go, 
we know it's taking place in, you know, either California or it's taking place in this fictional town of Beaumont. And, um, you know, it's one or the other. And you know the characters that are going to be in it. You know their names. You know what they look like. And boom, solid. New story, different, different setup. New story I go through. And, and within the outline, I'll put, okay, you know, the location is here. The characters have moved here. You know, we're introducing a character here. You know, that kind of thing. So it's a little more in-depth on, on a new story. But pretty much the same setup. And it works. I love your sweatshirt, by the way. Oh, <laughs> I have it in gray too. <laughs> I love it so much. That's awesome. I, I grew up in Washington, so Me it's too. just like natural. Where at? Um, so from the time I was 16 until I moved here, I was in Spokane. Okay. I went to Wazoo. Oh. <laughs> you probably crossed. So funny because, um, I used to go to Washington State, Washington State's football games all the time. Oh yeah. And uh, that's how I became a Drew Bledsoe. I was a Drew oh. Bledsoe fan. So when he came to the New England Patriots, I still lived in Washington. And when I moved here, or when I met my husband, he's like, do you like football? And I was like, I love the Patriots. And he was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Drew Bledsoe played for them. Um, my brother graduated from University of Washington though. Um, oh. 2014. And yeah, my grandfather lived in Olympia. Um, I spent most of my summers on the yacht club in Olympia or at my grandma's house in Renton and spent a lot, most of my life in Portland. So my dad I grew up in Tacoma, but I went, I only went to Wazoo for a year and then I joined the Navy. So yeah, nice. Um, so that's why the, uh, the Evan and Riley moved to Bellingham. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I spent, I spent some time on that base before, um, I actually joined because I had a friend who was who got married to someone who was, um, a Submariner. And so I was like, let me just like come hang out for a week and yeah. see what I'm potentially getting myself into. <laughs> yeah. It's a nice, it's a nice base. Um, I caught a submarine there once, so I don't think I'd ever do that again in my life. <laughs> no, I wanted to go on the service, but, um, yeah, I couldn't, they wouldn't let me. So my brother and sister are terminally ill. So they're like, no, sorry. Like you can't the whole private Ryan law thingy or whatever it was. And I was like, well, that's great. But spent a lot of time on Navy ships and stuff with my grandfather. He was, um, he was a draft dodger, um, but he was really involved with the military for some reason. I don't get it. I was like, <laughs> so we were always on Navy ships and stuff, sailing up and down the sound. And we went on a sub once and it dropped down. I was like, no way worst experience of my life but no I like it I like Washington um which a lot a couple of my other stories take place there too like um the Cape Harbor series takes place uh technically around the Anacortes area but I just I change all the names so that I don't have to make sure my towns don't look like the real town <laughs> yeah I mean because they change so much like they do change going back places years five years later even yeah, they're like, um, hold on, my screen just went boom, boom somewhere. I don't know why. I don't know how to use Zoom. Um, <laughs> yeah, I haven't used a whole lot. But uh, yeah, so Washington is great. So I moved here about 20 years ago, though. So from first to Portland, then Eugene, spent my summers in the Olympia area with my grandfather. And then we moved to Sp I moved to Spokane when I was 16. And that was the first time I ever saw snow. <laughs> didn't know what to do with it 
And then when uh, I've been here for 20 years now, so yeah, Don just moved to the other beach. So the other beach said to my husband, I said, I need to go back to the beach. We lived on the beach or we were at the beach all the time. And like, you know, being on the yacht club and stuff with my grandfather, we were always on the water. Like, I need to go back to that stuff. That's what I want. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. Cause reading like obviously the Bremerton, but I also spent a lot of time at Damn Neck, which is Seal Beach East coast and yeah. Coronado. So both those places I was like (laughs) you know just just being able to read something that's like that you can connect to in different ways than most people can I think is why I probably devoured it so quickly (laughs) I like that we went to Yvette and I went to a a book signing in Los Angeles and before we went there we went to San Diego went to a Padres game and my friend in the, uh, the he's a marine and he was stationed at Pendleton so I'm like well he's like you know come out and visit I'm like I am only coming out if you take me to seal beach because <laughs> so some of that in there is stuff that actually took place when we were there like a buds training was going on and so uh all the recruits were sleeping upside down and there was a guy i have video i still have video to this day of running up and down that beach with this little booty shorts on <laughs> yeah when my i trained at damn neck virginia i was in intel and so yeah. we shared a base with the seals and it was just, it was so fun to, to just watch everything that they had to go through. Yeah. When we were there, um, the blue angels were training, which was really cool. Um, they were doing some other stuff, but yeah, it was so funny because we're on, obviously we're on seal beach and you technically there's like this imaginary line, you're not supposed to cross it while the civilians were on the other side. And we're just like, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> it's an experience. And I think, I mean, it's fun when you can experience stuff like that too. And not everybody gets to do it. So I yeah. try not to take it all for granted, but yeah, I take it. I love it. I love that beach. I love that area. It's so freaking cute. We love Coronado. It's where two of our kids took some of their first steps. So Coronado has like a special place for us for sure. Yeah, you know, and it's just a cute little town and, you know, and it, I don't know, I, I look at house prices over there all the time. Just Oh God. <laughs> right. Meanwhile, I've lived in the same place my entire life. Which is where? <laughs> I live in Baltimore. Baltimore? Mm-hmm. Well, at least you have a Navy ship in your harbor there. Yes, we, that we do. Yeah. But I've lived here my entire life and have never been to the West Coast. I've been all over the place. <laughs> I don't believe in that. Yeah, I believe in, yeah, my girls, I think, uh, I think my kids have like four states left to visit. And everyone's like, their friends are like, you travel within the United States. And they're like, have you not seen our country? Like, it's pretty damn beautiful for the most part. Like, you know, you get your, we've been to Baltimore many times. Uh, my daughter played basketball down there, but um, yeah, we make sure that, uh, like I said, we're going to Oklahoma city because no one's ever been to Oklahoma <laughs> city. So. I was like, I've never been to the West coast. Let's go to Oklahoma. There you go. Actually, two of my girls are signing there, so I'll be working anyway. But I mean, I'm be using it as an excuse to travel. Might as well. It's a tax write-off. It is a tax write-off. <laughs> okay. Want to ask you one last question while we still right. have you. Um, what is your absolute favorite trope to write and why? Um, well, so definitely going to be second, ch- second chance romance. Um, be- and my favorite is... The reason it's my favorite is because I think that once you find that first love and you lose it, you'll do everything you can to get it back. 
and, you know, especially with, you know, Liam and Josie and, you know, even Evan and Riley, it's just, you know, that first love is something that you just never, ever forget. And so when it comes back into your life, you're going to do whatever you can to get it back. So it's definitely my favorite. I like it. I feel like second chance has the most loyal readers too. Like people that love second chance, just it's everything to them. Whereas like other people that love other tropes, I feel like dabble in other tropes, (laughs) but second chance romance readers, just like it's, it's their everything. It is their everything. I think because those people believe in love. Yeah. Like loved is their you know, it's probably their love language. It's probably their defining moment. It's, you know, they married their high school sweetheart or whatever, or, you know, got back together with her. But even in all, even in paranormal second chance romance is huge. You know, look at Twilight, huge. Oh, yeah. You know, that's definitely a second chance romance story. Um, but I think it's just because you get that all that overall satisfaction of the happily ever after when you have that second chance story in there. Mm-hmm. And you get, you get to build the angst in there and you get Mm -hmm. to build like this path that they have to be on to get back to where they've been before, but make it 10 times better. Yeah. Well, not just, and and to add to the angst, you can also have it in Mm rom-com. You can, you know, you can always add those humor elements. It's more realistic. Um, you know, it's, it's more, it's more of your everyday, I mean, I don't know if there's one woman out there who's never seen a soap opera and soap operas are straight up second chance romance every week <laughs> dying and coming back to life and divorcing and getting remarried. I mean, look at, you know, Nikki and freaking Victor on young and the restless. They've been married and divorced like 900 times and they still love each other. I think that's what it is. So it's definitely my favorite, not my favorite to read though. I like suspense. <laughs> not me. I like secret babies. <laughs> I did like that too. I mean, I love I fake will... dating. I love fake dating because, like you were saying, with a rom com, like fake dating is just without a doubt is going to give you the laugh out loud. So I have a fake dating book called Sexcation. I'm gonna look that up because it's very sexy. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's fun. He's British and she's not. That's all I can. well it's on my list right now so (laughs) yeah fake dating I just whenever you know you're in it like I I, I'm definitely mood reader so sometimes I want the angst sometimes I want the suspense but whenever I'm just like I don't know what to read I go for fake dating because then I'm like guaranteed to just yeah yeah like legit laugh out loud (laughs) yeah yeah I like I like I like throwing out the one-liners every now and again especially like in in uh, my baseball series has a lot of one-liners it's kind of crazy and uh they're just laugh out loud moments they remind my brother he's passed away he used to be like the one-line king he'd always he'd always be like call up and be like i got something to tell you and he'd just deliver it punchline's perfect and you just sort of like (laughs) (laughs) but then you're like he's laughing he's off the phone and then you're laughing once it kind of clicks and you're like oh my gosh he's such a but yeah i love um a, a good book makes you laugh and a good book makes you cry. So if you yeah. get it all then you know, you're not going wrong as a reader ever. So in those categories. Perfect. Well, we appreciate your time and chatting with us. Yeah. I'm happy to do this. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. Get some more insight. It's nice to get the insight into the books that we've read and we loved as well as like, you know, get a feel for 
what where you were at yeah in instead terms of, of like writing to, them instead of you trying to strangle me through my instagram <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know. I think it was one of the messages yesterday that popped up and I saw it. I was like, Ooh, I don't know if I want to answer that one yet. <laughs> I didn't say anything. Back. <laughs> no, it, was so, it was just the, um, cause I knew what book you were on and I think it, and then it was some, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to floor. You telling me at one point, get your tissues ready. Like, <laughs> it's, oh. it's- it's it can be gut-wrenching so yeah I, I forewarned her I I'm the one that recommended it to her I was like you got to read the Archer Brothers good yeah they all come with a warning tissues tissue 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 maybe Kleenex should sponsor oh. it <laughs> that you say uh we talk about tissues because when choose me came out I did little little tissue packs with the front I'll have to see if I can find a, a set and I will send them to you when I when you oh my goodness <laughs> oh I would love that <laughs> yeah I definitely had those moments where I was just like oh gosh like I I gotta put it down and I gotta like go do something around the house real quick because... she was sending me voice messages on iMessage all day yesterday <laughs> and I'm sure being a, a military wife you're just like oh yep okay I've seen it from all aspects like I've seen it from my aspect I've seen it from the other side um in like with spec ops as well too um because we worked really closely with spec ops being my job and so it was just like it it was well really well done to the point where I was like yeah I I remember like these situations (laughs) so that means so much to me because when you told me that I was like don't read it (laughs) (laughs) I can only do what Google tells me please don't read it please don't read it um but the fact that you like it and you compliment it is just it that means the world to me because you know obviously your former job and and still being the wife and stuff it's like yeah so I did have my marine friend did help with the first two books and and all that stuff so which is good you know to have somebody in the service to so I'm going to write this. You going to help me? And he was on board. So yeah, That's but good. it does mean the world to me. So I appreciate that, uh, that, um, I didn't completely butcher the book. <laughs> <laughs> no, That's good. 